All right, you ready? I'm ready. What up, what up? Welcome to Break the Money Curse. It's your boy, Drew. It's your boy, D-Money. All right, how you feeling today, man? Man, I'm feeling good, man. Um, you know, just a lot going on. I'm excited about this topic we got to talk about. We about to go from the cradle to the grave, right? So I'm like excited about this. Hopefully we, we, we're able to- Cradle to the grave. Hopefully we're able to drop a lot of gems. Yeah, so we're talking about the super spreaders, as I call them, um, <laughs> the, 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 the the kiddos. So you have kids. I do. I have two little I ones. do not. I view them as a, 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 as a liability when you think about finances. Oh. Um, you're, you're a little more patient than I am. I've had to learn to be patient. I'm still working on it. (laughs) (laughs) So we've gotten this question. I've gotten this question um, several times since we launched this podcast. Um, I think a lot of, I think it's instinctively as a parent, you want to set your kids up for success, right? Uh, And I think a lot of times life gets in the way. I think a lot of people don't know where to start, don't necessarily have the time to do the research. So I think the thought process behind this episode is to kind of give a few pointers and tips and some fundamentals of where to start. So we're starting with the kiddos and then we're going all the way through to retirement, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with it. So I'm a parent. I got kids. I don't want them. So I guess let's let, let me take that back. There's a lot of people in our community that have this philosophy that, you know, I had to work hard for everything that I have, and I want my kids to know the value of hard work as well. Um, so I'm not necessarily concerned about leaving them a huge inheritance or, you know, giving them the silver spoon. Do you agree with that mindset? Uh, yes and no. I think there's a different way that you can mm-hmm. achieve it, though, because I think that there are things that we can yeah. do as parents to instill the hard work uh, in them without them having to struggle necessarily you know because you know when we grew up we probably had to actually struggle because our parents didn't have anything uh financially i would say to actually like pass to us you know because maybe they were struggling themselves you know but i think we're going to be or we're in a position where we have a little bit more uh, than our parents had financially you know at the ages that we are now um and, you know, that that is something that that's constantly on my mind. And I'm starting to talk to my kids and they're four and one, you know, about money, about the value of money, about, mm-hmm. hey, you see, like we bought this, like this is this costs money. And just like these little lessons I'm, I'm wanting to teach them. Now, when they're, you know, of age where they can start to work a little bit, I'm going to layer those those lessons to let them know, hey, you made this money. This is what you can buy. You know, so I'm probably going to do a combination of both because I do like the old school way of thinking. But I think also that could be detrimental a little bit. But when you think about, I think we always talk about like, I have a great work ethic. A work ethic was instilled. Like I want to instill work ethic and hard work into my kids. Is a, Don't you, I guess my first thought is, do, don't we need to shift the mindset from working hard to working smart yes because i was as you're as you're saying work ethic my face is just crunched up right now because honestly i that definition like just 
or just that word just i don't know it just makes me feel terrible because i according yeah. to that i don't even know what the definition is but i just feel like i don't have a great work ethic because honestly my goal is to always try to find a smarter way of doing things like if i ain't gotta yeah. do like if it takes somebody 40 hours i'm trying to figure out what type of formula or something that i could do to for it to take me five hours so yeah like you said that work ethic is just like let's just get it done how about like no let's just find a a smarter way of doing it. I think there was a quote by Abraham Lincoln. I don't know if this, you know, I've heard, I hear this all the time. I think it's attributed to him where he say, you know, um, if I'm going to be, you know, cutting down a tree, to, if it takes four hours, the first three hours, I'm going to be sharpening my saw, you know, so you don't have to work yeah. four hours chopping it down, sharp, sharpen your saw, and then it only takes you an hour to chop it, uh, chop it down. That's working smarter, not harder. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think particularly, like, I see how the generation that came before us, um, I come from a household where I saw my parents work very, they worked very hard. And so it was instilled in me the importance of, like, getting to work on time, not missing work. But also, like, now we're at the point where we're having conversations about, you know, you have people that have worked hard all their life and... Um, they're still having to worry about what their financial outlook will, will, will be when it comes to retirement time. And could some of that energy that went into working been moved to, um, first of all, if they had had, a, a, if they had some kind of head start, then they wouldn't have like spent all those years trying to like teach themselves and build up to where they, where they got, yeah. And then also, you know, had they not invested that time into making money for someone else, could they be in a better financial position to have a comfortable retirement? Right. Or even the knowledge. Maybe they didn't have the knowledge, you know, um, yeah. to 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 do that. And I that's one thing that I'm adamant that I'm going to pass down to my kids. It's going to it's going to be the knowledge. I can't make them do anything, but it's going to be the knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, we haven't really talked about compound interest, but compound interest. I think Warren Buffett calls it the the uh, ninth wonder of the world because the studies have shown, like just look at any calculator about compound interest. It shows that the earlier you start, the more your money actually works for you, and you have to work less and less. So. You know, we're going to get into some of the things that you can do, um, you know, for your kids, you know, starting out things, starting them early where you really don't have to put a lot of money relative to the amount of money they can have, you know, when they're 30 or 40 years old, if you start investing in your kids early. So what are some of those? So you, you talk about like you want to start teaching your kids early. What like how do you do that? So, you know, you have you have very young kids. How do you start having these conversations to to, to get that going with them what i guess what's the baseline for a parent to um to, to teach their kids um about financial preparedness while keeping them engaged uh, what does that look like in your well, house honestly i so i think the first thing that you have to do is make sure you get yourself together yeah because kids mimic us like you can tell them to do something but if they see you doing something different then they're going to latch on to what you're actually doing not what you're actually saying so but also, like, what are you consuming, right? What does your yeah. lifestyle look like? I would say yeah. that's important. Um, kids are very, like, <laughs> you don't have to have a conversation with your kids for them to know what your financial position is, right? Yeah, um, of course not. They see everything that's happening in the household. 
So if you're in that household where, you know, you want your kids to be fresh, and we talked about this on the um, the Negro ship uh, episode. I don't even know what it's called. I re, um, the broke mindset episode. We talked about this, um, where if you're one of those parents where the you know your kids are wearing jordans and they're fresh to death but they've experienced the power getting cut off Mm -hmm. um what are you instilling in terms of what's important to those to your kids yeah yeah like i said that's that's they they look at what you're actually modeling um because that's what they're they're going to feel it's not about what you're uh, what you're saying, like they're they're actually going to feel that. So that's why I say the first step is you need to be getting yourself together. You need to have your mindset right, um, and then as they see you doing the correct things, it's going to be easier and more natural to have those conversations. And then plus they're going to see you know the modeling, uh, the positive modeling uh, that you're providing for them. Yeah, it's interesting how um, how mindsets. Like 2020, I feel 2020 was proof that Americans know what the right, what they know what should be happening, right? What the right things to do. So when you think about, and maybe it's because the world was shut down, but everyone was kind of, everyone was feeling uncertain last year um, in the midst of the pandemic, right? And so what we saw economically was that people were saving a lot of money, even though like a lot of businesses were open people were spending time at home um they were they were saving money and i don't think it's necessarily just because the world was shut down and it couldn't go anywhere but i think people saw the uncertainty and like even when you look at those first rounds of stimulus checks that went out people overwhelmingly they they held on to that money because they knew the importance of saving particularly in times of uncertainty right mm-hmm but then you fast forward to the last round of stimulus checks and retail spending jumped way up over 2019 levels. And people like, they're like, okay, the, the world is feeling better. I'm going to spend that money. And the checks did exactly what they were intended to do. People weren't paying off bills and paying down debt. Some people did, but for the most part, people were like, I'm ready to live my life. I've been locked in the, locked in the house and they spent that money. So, and, and your kids see that, right? If, if every time... April comes around every year and they know the or January for people that, that love to spend their tax checks and they know that they're going to get new clothes and um, that's the year that's the time of year when um, they get new toys new you know they get to they get to wild out in the target they look forward to that and they take those habits into adulthood right yeah yeah they definitely do um, again again modeling they they see that and then they hear okay you know, this is the time that we can do this. And then as the year go- goes on, we can't do this because we don't, you know, have that money. So, um, yeah, uh, that's what I'm going to say this for a third time. We need to get our life together, get your life together first, and then your kids will uh, be be better for it. But some of the things I want to talk about, too, is, you know, things that you can actually set up like bank accounts or well, I, actually, I actually don't like setting up bank accounts for kids. I like setting up other types of accounts. But this causes us uh, uh, to be more forward thinking. So, for instance, you know, if you're one of those people who, you know, you you want to save for your uh, kids college, you can do 529 plans. I think that's an excellent way to save for uh, kids college uh, because you can put a certain amount of money in there. It'll be uh, tax free when you take it out. Um, you know, it, it'll be a tax advantage. Um, you can invest in 
uh, different types of equities. You can invest in index funds, which we've talked about. You can invest in stocks, ETFs, things like that, which allows that money to grow. If you started that, you, if you started a 529 plan for um, your kid when they were just born uh, to allow that to grow over 18 to 23 years, um, you will have, um, depending on how much you save, uh, you will have, you know, a ton of money uh, for, for your kid. And so the difference for a 529 versus just a traditional, let's say just a tr traditional investment account is the tax savings, correct? Definitely the tax savings is like the huge thing. Now, of course, there are some, um, I'm not, I don't want to say downsides, uh, but, you know, if your kid doesn't go to college, then obviously um, you can take that money out, but there will, there would be a penalty. Um, but uh, the good thing is if you have multiple kids, maybe one of them, uh, doesn't go to college uh, and the other does go to college, you can actually just transfer that over um, to um, the kid who does go to college. So there's some flexibility there. Mm -hmm. Now, other accounts that I like, uh, because I don't know if my kid is going to go to college or not. And uh, these are the, the accounts. I, I do a combination of all of them, <laughs> to be honest, because mm -hmm. you, you just never know. But uh, there's uh, two accounts called the UTMA and the UGMA. So um, the UTMA, uh, and these are very similar, uh, it's called the Uniform Transfers to Minors Act, and then the UGMA, the U Universal Gifts to Minors Act. So this uh, basically lets you, this allows you to open a custodial account uh, for your kid. And depending on which state you live in, uh, this account will transfer over to them either when they're 18 or 21, even some states are 25. But it's the same premise. Uh, you can, you know, put uh, money in this account for your kid and let it grow over years and years and years. And, you know, by the time they're, uh, you know, 18, 21, 23, depending on how much uh, you put in, you know, your kids can have hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, just by, you know, investing um, a little money. I like that. I like that. What about, uh, I wanted to ask about what are your thoughts on, giving your kids an allowance because i know that's not a thing <laughs> in a lot of black households uh have you started thinking about that uh, i haven't started thinking about that yet so i don't know which way i'm going to go i think i may go with the way of not an allowance and that they will have to earn money by doing really you know chores i think that's the way i'm gonna go but the jury's still out on that so i, I don't know yet yeah i think I like both methods, right? So the allowance is tied to something. Um, but I remember um, growing up at a very young age, I got an allowance. Now, keep in mind, I didn't grow up in America. I grew up in, in Belize in a very different time. And my allowance was uh, $2.50 a week. And so at a very young age, I knew that I had, um, like if I spent, if I went to school and I spent all two fifty on a Monday because I wanted to while out on my $2.50, then I had no money for the rest of the week. My parents weren't, they, there was nothing. I couldn't go and ask for more. I was done. And this wasn't like my lunch money. I, you know, you know, I would take my lunch to school or whatever. This was, I do what I want. So like I knew at a very early age, I could get, you know, I could get maybe a snow cone and a candy bar, or I could buy one really expensive candy bar. Or um, if we had, if we went to recess twice a day, I could, split it up and have one snack for each recess. So um, 
like I knew at a very early age that like I had to learn how to balance that money. And I think that kind of stuck with me. So I thought, I think that's a good way to teach. But I also think in life, that $2.50 isn't just handed to you. So I also like the idea of making your kids earn that as well. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's important. And that's that's going to be something that's going to be a shift for me because I don't use a lot of cash. <laughs> so uh, I'm probably going to have to, you know, actually take out some some dollar bills or something out of the, the ATM okay, to, but let's talk uh, to provide a lesson like that. But let's talk about that, though, because cash is not. So why would you use cash versus another medium with your kids? Cash is not really the primary way that we use money in the world anymore why not get a debit card for your kids so that they're comfortable with that well i think we could do a combination of both because uh you know my four-year-old he just sees a card and he doesn't associate that with like actual money he just thinks it's unlimited honestly (laughs) so that's why i would want to use cash because when you just use a card you lose the lesson of scarcity or scarcity um because the card is always there whereas if i had you know five dollar bills and he actually sees this is all i have we can't get anything else if we spent the the entire five dollars to me um that may hit the hit the lesson home a little bit more but i would say that's a reason to to use a card even more so because a lot of people struggle with credit credit and debit cards for that very reason as adults, right? We still, like if I have cash in my wallet, I can see when it's gone and you can't see that with a card. And adults, a lot of adults struggle with that. Mm-hmm. So why not give your kids, so there are debit cards out there for kids, right? Some of them have some fees attached. So yeah. do some research. So some of the ones I found were Greenlight, Busy Kid, Copper. Those are all different cards that I would recommend researching. And those are for kids under 18. But why not put their allowance on that card and let it get declined when they're out of money so that they learn that lesson that I go to buy this and I get embarrassed and I walk out of the store without it because I didn't, I can't afford it. Don't you think that <laughs> message will land a little harder and teach them more of a real life lesson? Yeah, it may. But do do you do I want to pay the um, the fees if, if if we're not managing it properly? Yeah. I just feel like we can do a combination of both. And again, like I said, I haven't decided. So, you know, I think I'm going to try multiple ways and then, you know, we're going to see what actually yeah. sticks because, you know, everyone learns differently. Someone some people are visual. Some people see that. So we'll, we'll see uh, how that lands. One other account, though, that I want to uh, mention that is great for kids, especially if your kids are working um, early on. I'm, my kids aren't working yet, but I'm trying to get them uh, some type of job, whether it's a modeling job or some, you know, some type of way that I can uh, pay them money uh, in, in our businesses. Hopefully that's coming within the next year or two. Uh, but you can start uh, if your child has earned income, you can start a Roth IRA for your child. And this is just huge. Like. I'll just throw out this scenario. Say, you know, um, say if your child has been modeling, you know, since they were born um, and they're earning a couple thousand. I don't know. I don't even know how much model child models get paid. But say if they're uh, making a couple thousand dollars a um, a year and you put that money into a Roth IRA, you can do up to six thousand dollars. But let's just say you started out and you did two thousand dollars when they were born and, you know, 
they're still working and you did $250, $250 every month. By the time that child is, um, and let's just say that earned an average of interest, uh, 7% interest. By the time that child is 30, that will turn into $321,000. Just doing uh, something, you know, as little as $250 a month. So that's what, $23,000 uh, a year, you know? Over uh, thirty years, three thousand three thousand dollars a year over over thirty years is ninety thousand dollars. But that turns into three hundred twenty one thousand dollars. That's the power of compounding and starting early. And those are the type of money moves that I want to make for my child. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm not making any money moves because I don't plan to have any super spreaders. <laughs> I have a dog. But <laughs> um, really quickly, I want to like we move. So we talked about the kids, right? Um. And now it's time for, um, so teenagers, do you think it's important? And we kind of touched on this at the start of, at, at the beginning. Um, should you expect your kids to have a job? So a lot of, um, we know a lot of kids start working, even they get their work permits, even in high school. And then, um, I know both of us work through college. Um, and I think this goes back to the work ethic. I think this is an expectation in a lot of households. Should you have an expectation that your kids work and then should they contribute to the household? I'm not going to say I'm going to have an expectation that they work, uh, but I will have an expectation that they're doing something. Um, because honestly, I feel like you can get the work ethic or just life lessons, whether you're doing, you can do recreational activities, leadership activities. So to me, if they're not working, they're going to have to be doing something else. They just can't be sitting in the house just playing video games, although I'm a, I am love video games, unless they're finding a way to make money, maybe playing those video games, you know, who knows. But they're just, you know, being I don't want my kids to have too much idle time when they're when they're teenagers. So, you know, um, I'll, I'll give them a choice. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's important. I think I think that my experience was that because i had to work in college i feel like that put me at a disadvantage first of all i couldn't participate in some things that would have brought more long-term value um yeah. so different activities and i think the pressure of like trying to trying to have a social life and then trying to work and balance out homework i think it puts you at a disadvantage so in some households it's it's a necessity right people have to work in order to contribute to their households uh but i think if you're in a position where you don't have to pressure your teenager to have a job um then you shouldn't right yeah yeah i i totally agree i mean i i basically had to start working when i was like 15 years old and you know i had to forego you know some sports some other social clubs you know because of that fact so yeah definitely that's why i say i'm gonna give them a choice uh to do that yeah all right let's go to are we ready to move on to we went from teenagers to retirement check out yeah. the um should i go to college episode where i think we're skipping that portion today yeah and and, and i, I want to say this yeah we're to, we're about to skip to retirement but of course you know that time uh that that you know between uh mid-20s to you know 65 years old you know before retirement essentially a lot of the topics that we've talked about on this podcast uh is uh you know it, is addressing those. yeah we've covered those what you need to do Should you know I go during to that time <laughs> 
<laughs> Should I go to college? How to land a job? And then nine to five versus entrepreneurship. So I would backtrack to those episodes, and then now we're skip, skipping to retirement. Yeah. <laughs> so. How do you set yourself up right? So I think the foundation for me is 70% of Americans. No, I'm, I'm in the wrong spot. Hang on. Um, average Americans spend roughly 20 years in retirement. Um, so this, uh, that's important, right? Uh, you want to be comfortable by the time you get to retirement age. So how do you set yourself up to live in comfort once that income from a job stops coming in? So, um, like I said, a lot of the lessons that we've already kind of uh, touched on, you know, uh, definitely if you have 401k now, uh, kind of you, you need to be investing. If, if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s and 50s, you need to be investing in something uh, uh, for when you get to retirement. But I think the big thing, too, is once you're, you know, you're coming up on retirement, you need to start getting realistic about knowing what your expenses are. You know, start talking to yeah. Social Security or you can actually go on SocialSecurity.com. Uh, uh, I believe it's SSA.gov. SSA .gov, yeah. You can actually set up an account right now and they will give you um, based on, you know, all the information um, that they already have about you. You can see how much uh, you uh, may be eligible for uh, for Social Security. One of the things that I think people should uh, uh, be um, looking to do with Social Security is I believe the earliest age that you can get Social Security is 62. Um, but if you elect to take now, Social yep. 62. So if you elect to take Social Security at 62, um, you're going to get the less amount that you're eligible for. Mm -hmm. The the, mm -hmm. the more years that you delay Social Security up to age 70, you're essentially guaranteeing yourself 8% per year. So my goal would be to delay uh, retirement into 70 if I can. Now, I'm not saying you have to work you know, full time into that time, maybe you can work part time. But, you know, let's just say the difference between retiring at 62 and 70 is, uh, you know, at 62, you're going to get $1,500 a month. But at 70, you're going to get $3,000 a month. I, I would rather wait, especially because you may, you know, chances are you're going to live another 20 years in retirement. Um, that extra $1,500 a month is going to make a huge difference. Yeah, but I think the message is Social Security shouldn't be your primary source of income, right? Definitely. I think a lot of people are dependent on Social Security to fund their retirement. So the other major source should be, you know, pensions aren't widely available anymore like they were for prior generations. So let's talk about 401k. Um, should you invest in a 401k? When is the right time? How much should you invest and why? Why 401k versus um, we talked last week, we talked about Roth IRA. Um, you know, why is it important to contribute to a 401k and when's the right time to start? Would you say? Well, the right time to start was yesterday. So if you're not investing in a 401k, start today. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, but I mean, you yeah. really should be, and if we have any, you know, listeners who, who, who is about to start a job right now, the, the right time, especially if they're matching the right time to invest in a 401k is right when you start your first job. If, if there's no match, then there's other retirement accounts that you can start for yourself, individual retirement accounts, Roth IRAs, things like that. But the point is you need to start, the earlier you start, the better off uh, you're gonna be. Um, you know, it's never too late. Even if you haven't saved a dime and let's just say you're 40 right now, that just means you're gonna have to be more aggressive, you know? Um, because like, I, like I've said before, 
the earlier you start, the less money you'll, you will actually have to put in yourself to accumulate, you know, millions of dollars and things like that uh, because of compound interest. But you do have to start at some point mm -hmm. um, in order uh, to make sure you have some money in retirement. Yeah. And all 401k plans, I know um, they can be complicated to like pick a plan, but I think a baseline, something easy to do, all plans will have um, a fund based on age. So it's like if you want to retire in 2025, this is the plan you select. And that's more you typically like I think that's usually a more conservative uh, fund, um, but they will kind of, you know, pick a mix of stocks based on when you want to retire. But um, you can, but you can, your fund, you can get all the details on what the traditional payouts have been for the last, over the last quarter, uh, last year, last five years. So you can historically see what kind of returns you will get. But 401ks are tied to the stock market. And we know historically, even though they are on and off years, historically, the stock market continues to grow year over year. Um, so in addition to whatever your employer is matching, which is just free money off the gate. So I always say the bare minimum you should be investing in a 401k is to match to, um, so if your employer is matching up to 5%, you should contribute at a minimum 5%, right? Yeah, definitely. At a minimum 5%. And that's what I would do. I, I do a minimum 5% and then I invest in uh, my other retirement accounts, my other individual retirement accounts outside of my 401k. Anything else on retirement that you would like to throw out there? Um, I would say the other thing is, you know, if you have any, you know, debt, things like that, you know, try to get rid of that stuff before retirement, you know, really try to, I'm not going to say minimize your expenses, but just have a good grasp of what your expenses are. That way, you know, um, start early, start now, you know, um, if you're in your fifties, you know, start, uh, kind of making a game plan. I think this would be an excellent opportunity to, you know, talk to financial advisors. Financial advisors are great with mm -hmm. kind of giving you a game plan, letting you know where you're at and letting you know realistically, you know, if you, cause some people think they can retire when they're 62 and, and they're gonna be poor in retirement. No one wants to be poor in retirement. So start, you know, uh, doing that game plan where, you know, in retirement, you're still uh, living, you know, up to the standard that you uh, wanna live in. And a lot of 401k plans come with free financial advice. So for instance, my plan comes with um, free um, Morgan Stanley consultations. So um, so uh, take advantage of that. All right. So now we're going to my least favorite part, but a, necess a necessity in life. Um, after you retire, eventually you will die. Um, so D 70% yeah. of Americans will be bankrupt if the breadwinners dies. So I think it's important for us as a community to have a plan, right? Um, I see a lot of GoFundMe's out there with people asking for help to pay for, um, pay for the funeral of a loved one, loved one. And we know that's a major expense in itself. So what are some steps we should be taking at any age to prepare ourselves for, for death? So I think the first big one, um, there's a couple of big ones, um, is it is inevitable. Um, we just really need to start talking about it. I know it's a, a hard subject to talk about, but it's going to happen. And, um, you know, my grandmother recently passed away and, you know, is it, it, it would just be helpful if we would have talked about the conversation before, just had things in line. You know, it's going to be helpful for those people that uh, you um you know, you, you leave here. So I think life insurance is a huge thing. You know, life insurance, 
you have whole life and we're not going to have time to kind of go into the whole whole life life and, um, and term life uh, policy. Um, but I would say like just from the fact of, you know, if, if you don't have a lot of money, I, I, I like term life um, just because you can get a nice policy. Just for example, if you're in your 30s, um, uh, you can get a $500,000 term life policy for and you're healthy. You know, you're 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 at the top of the line in terms of health probably get a $500,000 term life policy for probably about $25 a month, you know, um, 30 year term policy. If anything happens to you, mm -hmm. um, now you, you've left your heirs, uh, uh, you know, $500,000, which goes a long way in burying you. And, uh, of course, taking care of, you know, other obligations, you know, with your estate, um, and things like that. Um, I would say, uh, definitely, uh, the other thing is, uh, having a will. I think people think that they don't need to have a will. Um, but um, uh, one of my um, things that I want to talk about as far as what I'm loving uh, talks about, you know, where you can go to get a will. But having something written down just to um, make sure that your family is not going through pro probate or worrying about um, state, um, uh, you know, dealing with the state when, when you pass away. Um, also, like, or just yeah, or just fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that's like very yeah. clear. <laughs> um, power of attorney is huge. Um, at, uh, the, uh, the medical, uh, directive is huge as well, because, uh, you know, say if, um, you know, God forbid you, you have to be on a ventilator or, you know, any, any machine where you're incapacitated, where you can't say exactly what you want, it pays to have all these things kind of written out where there's no question, you know, from anyone in the family, um, you know, you know, how, how you want to go. So all those things, um, is, is going to be important to make sure, you know, death is not only easier on you but also easier on, on your family and your loved ones that you're leaving behind yeah i think two of the toughest things in debt are um when someone is dying first of all having to make tough decisions so if you can take that off of the plate of your loved ones that would be huge and then also with that any financial burdens um and making sure people know where to find those documents and have, have access yeah. if you have a safe or whatever it is um, but i want to go back to the life insurance piece really quickly a lot of employers um do offer life insurance coverage for a lot of places i've worked the cover they've offered some coverage for free so make sure that you're enrolled in that as part of your annual benefits enrollment and then in a lot of cases you can buy additional coverage for really cheap so um that's a good place to get started and then on the previous on a previous episode d um one of the one of his things that he's loving mentioned ladderlife.com and that's also um a great tool to go in and and find some life insurance but let's um it's important that we set our families up for success when we're gone all right. Yeah, and I would say with with the with the employer life insurance, make sure your beneficiaries are up to date, <laughs> especially if you've been in the job for a while. Like if you're divorced and you don't want to still have your ex-wife as a beneficiary, that, that stuff actually happens. I've I've seen that stuff happen. Um, and I would actually recommend not getting the supplemental uh, life insurance through your job because it's typically you can typically find it cheaper um, and better, you know, through through a third party. Um, so, uh, that's just something. And one, one other thing I would say, um, as far as like death planning is, uh, you know, you can start to buy your own plot and even plan your own funeral while you're alive. Like these are things that's going to make it so much easier on your family. And it, it won't be a question. It'll stop that infighting because it's just like, this is what I said I wanted. I plan my own funeral. I bought my own plot because at the end of the day, the funeral business and morgues and things like that are, are, are businesses. And they 
do you know there are some that's going to take advantage of you know your time of grief and maybe upcharge uh your loved ones and you know just and then there'll just be this huge expense uh that could have been avoided or just got cremated two thousand bucks well that's what i'm doing (laughs) my my family know that that's what i'm doing so yeah (laughs) all right Uh, i am as well um so uh d what do you love in this week so i am loving uh it's called tomorrow um so tomorrow.me uh if you go to that website they have a um app unfortunately they did have an android app i'm an android user but uh that got discontinued so i just have to go on the website when i'm updating myself but they do have an iphone app but essentially here you can um you can write your will uh, go get it notarized you can do um, uh, uh, powers of attorneys, advanced medical directives. It's just a lot of um, helpful things that you can do for uh, just kind of planning, you know, for family planning, you know, things that we've talked about here today. Um, so this is a resource that I've actually used and it's just been really easy. They ask you a bunch of questions and then ultimately they just kind of draw up a will for you based on the questions that they've asked you. And to me, anything that's easy and that's using technology is something that I'm going to definitely try. So I would definitely recommend it. Fantastic. All right. Do you want to sum this one up or you want me to take it? You can take it. All right. So we're going from the cradle to the grave. So if you've got kids, here's a few things you want to do. You want to make sure that you're talking talking to them about finances early. Set the example. Don't let them see you balling out of control, but let them see. Um, set an example of budgeting and controlling your expenses and working for what you have. So we talked about possibly, um, do you give them an allowance or maybe potentially have them work for their allowance, but teach them early on how to, um, how to balance money. If you're, if you're in a position where your kids don't have to work through school, um, give them the option, just make sure that they're contributing in some way, but don't force force your kids to work because we know that that can hold them back at, uh, at times. When it comes to retirement, it's important to have a plan. Go to ssa.gov, see where you're at with social security and uh, how much you will um, get monthly if you retire at 67 versus 62 or, six, or 70. So um, you can pull that information at ssa.gov, but it's important that you are contributing to a 401k plans. That way you have some money for retirement, especially at minimum, the employer match, but it's never too soon. So start doing that now. Um, when it comes time to die, see you later. Um, <laughs> we know most Americans don't have enough money to support their families in death, so it's important that we have life insurance. So um, if you're uh, if you have if you have coverage through your employer, make sure you're signed up for the free coverage. Go to ladderlife.com or use some of the tools we've recommended to make sure you have a life insurance policy that'll take care of your. Um, take care of your family once you're gone. But it's also important that you have a will um, a will as well as um, a power of attorney established so that your, that your estate will be, um, all those decisions are made and your family doesn't have to worry about that um, once you're no longer with us. Uh, and then you can also pre-plan for your burial expenses, pay for your plots, all that stuff in advance. Take the burden off your family. Anything else we wanna leave with these folks? No, that was great. All right, so uh, we're going to wrap it up. So thank you for listening to another episode of Break the Money Curse. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on IG at Break the Money Curse. Uh, Send us a message if you have any questions for us. Also, if you rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app, 
please leave us a review if you are enjoying this and then bring your friends along for the journey uh send them send them the link it's as, as easy as sending them our website breakthemoneycurse.com and you can listen there um but that's it have an amazing week bro all right we out peace out <laughs> <laughs>